your brain doesn't care if it's right or wrong. Your brain just knows you've made a connection and you get a dopamine cookie at the end of it. That mindset is really important because confirmation bias will kick in real quick. By the time we got to the end of the conversation, it was like, you know what? Some of that probably wasn't even fair. Jesus already gave us the blueprint for how to do this. And it's really simple. Hey, everybody. My name is Chad, and I'm joined by Joanna and Jason. And today we're talking about a really critical topic that is becoming invasive in families across the country, across the globe, really. Now, what if I was to tell you that there's something out there that's after us that has been linked to increased levels of dementia, uh, onset of, of anxiety and depression? Uh, this has been linked to heart disease. It's been linked to making less money. It's been linked to uh, less job satisfaction and less overall life satisfaction and relational disintegration in, in families. All of these things have been linked to one thing. And this thing is not, it's not drugs. It's not, I'm not talking about, you know, smoking or lack of exercise or diet. I'm not talking about a disease. This thing that we're about to talk about today is, is completely self-inflicted and it is completely avoidable. I know what it is, but I'm going to say, man, you got me hooked, Chad. What is it? <laughs> Good. That's that. That's what I want. I want people's attention because this topic is so important. And you're so, saying it's not the obvious. It's it, not the obvious stuff. Yeah. I, I think if everyone heard that list of things, uh, they'd be kind of like, you know, what is it? I'd like to avoid whatever this is. It sounds horrible. The word is cynicism. Um, study after study after study, and, and I've read a lot of them, and some of them are way over my head, but are, are showing that a cynical mindset, a cynical, pessimistic mindset is damaging us. It's, causing, it's actually causing brain damage. It's causing relational damage. It's causing just suffering in this world, and I think God wants more for us. And so we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about how do we get rid of this uh, we're going to address what is cynicism, because I think that's a word that's like, I don't struggle with cynicism. I don't even know what it is. Uh, so we're going to talk about what it is. We're going to talk about what it does. And then we're just going to talk about how to get rid of it. I'm going to say, Chad, I'm already kind of sad then. Like, that's <laughs> You're already kind of cynical? Like it's kinda, well, it's just kind of sad to think that so many people are like really, truly experiencing that level of, yeah. I don't know, like a lesser quality of life just because of something like cynicism. It And, and. So Joanna, like, so for someone that, you know, doesn't know what cynicism is, I, I think it's probably, it's probably good to, to like, I kind of unpack what it is, because I think a lot of people are like, I don't think I struggle with it, but you're right. A lot of people do, and they're struggling with the after effects of what it does to us. It's basically a distrust of others and a distrust that good things can and will happen. Hope, which as you can imagine is kind of important in the gospel of Jesus Christ, hope and yet cynicism is the exact opposite of that so some of you might listening are saying like i'm not into politics i don't get into all that stuff i i, I don't distrust the church so i'm not cynical mm -hmm. mm, it's more nefarious than that it, cynicism can creep in in little ways too mm -hmm. little ways like if you're at work and one of your coworkers arrives late a couple times you're like they're lazy yeah, your cynical yeah. nature is like they're lazy yeah they're they're yeah. they're just they're coasting. They're they're silently quitting. Or you have a family member that's like you know they always manipulate. Yeah. And they're always manipulative, and you start painting this always always brush, and you start telling yourself stories. Or maybe it's even things you believe about yourself, where it's like, you know, they think I'm bad at my job. I can tell because the way my boss said that and rolled their eyes, 
they think I'm bad at my, my, at my job. And yeah. we start telling us this cynical belief about what others think or what we think about others. I wonder if some of cynicism from a definitional standpoint is it, cynicism seems to move beyond the actions that are sort of the concrete actions that you can visibly see and measure and all that. And it seems to move past that into motivations and intentions. So, so the answer to cynicism, cynicism seems to be, or maybe what cynicism is not, is not calling it out. Where it moves to cynicism, I guess, is when it's like the concrete action, I can assign the motivations and intentions behind that, which is they're lazy. And they don't care yes. about this, bird. you know, they don't care about us. And you, and you're actually dealing in a world there that's not evidence based. It's more just you're asserting. You're just looking at it through your own filter. That's the yep. cynicism, I would imagine. And, and so let's get into this next question: Is what is the difference between realism and cynicism? Because I think there's a lot of people out there that are just like I am. A, they they wear cynicism as yeah. a badge of honor. As a matter of fact, we sometimes tend to, to want to have that in our, our politicians, the ones that are the most cynical uh, and believe the least. Um, so what's the difference between, because Jason, you started hitting at that. What's the difference between just being real and starting to, to believe it, the worst? So, I mean, like, let's keep going down with that example because it's a simple one. Someone, Let's just say someone keeps showing up late for a meeting or something like that, right? Again, I guess the realism is addressing the issue and talking about the issue. And the realism might be, hey, they probably don't need a spot on this team. Like you can address that without being cynical because you're addressing a behavior. You're addressing the issue. I I guess where it moves into a a category of like a real negative lens is, again, is when you are making assumptions about the person's integrity and instead of just dealing with the thing, the Mm -hmm. actual, or... You ascribe again, and, and, and like, I mean, let's just make a simple example. It's a let's say it's a woman on your team mm-hmm. who's like, and you're like, well, women. Now yeah. all of a sudden you've kind of generalized a particular, and you grow cynical about, well, you know, women don't care about, or it's a man on your team. You're like, yeah, men men don't care about uh, whatever. So again, you just generalize it. That to me is like the when you cross over from realism into cynicism. Realism is you showed up late. We need to address that. That's a fact. Like that's a concrete thing we can deal with. Cynicism mm-hmm. is where it crossed that line number two. I know why you did. Yes. So it's like a, a good example might be um, if, if a, a person is passed over for a promotion, a, uh, they might go like, you know, what did I not have that the other person had? A cynical view goes, it was because I was a woman. And and they don't think I'm capable because I'm a woman. Now, could there be some truth to that could, story? Could be. And could this be. is what I meant by this is where it gets tricky. There's true things in all of those institutions and that we were talking about earlier. So, I mean, like, this is where discernment comes in. You know, there, there, there's a difference between discernment. We're called to be discerning if you're a follower of Jesus. You need to be discerning. Discerning is you don't jump right into something. Discerning is... You try to you try to you prayerfully reflect and think about a particular opportunity or whatever. So there is something about discernment where you may need to be skeptical or you may need to question or you may need to that might be a wise thing to do. I think the cynicism skips that though and and just yeah. assume makes makes the assumptions as to. And I think some of it is assumption without conversation. So like even in that with the you know person that shows up late. 
Well, I mean, if it's been a week straight of that and you're not having a conversation, my goodness, that person could be also facing a number of barriers that's actually making them late. And so we've just filled in a whole lot of blanks without experiencing conversation and potentially empathy as needed uh, for that person's situation. So I don't know, maybe their car hasn't started five days in a row and it's like, well, that's not what they were planning on, but you've just uh, made a huge assumption about their motives or the, the objective thing that's happened that's then coloring your perspective on that person with just out having conversation. And I feel like for us, even at church a lot, we talk a lot about like, we got to start from a place of assuming the best um, in well, one another. That that mindset is really important because confirmation bias will kick in real quick with cynicism. And so if you think someone, you think you've made, if you made a cynical decision or a, sorry, a cynical sort of assumption about someone, you're waiting for them to confirm that because we don't like <laughs> yep. being wrong. I mean, that's mm-hmm. sort of in human nature to look for confirmation bias. If you go into it believing the best, kind of like what you said, you'll look for, you'll actually try to confirm that too. And believe, and you'll actually go, oh, they must have a reason as opposed to like an, a valid reason. Um, and so it's interesting how it's a site. Uh, there is a compounding effect. It seems like that the more cynical your outlook is, the more you, the more negatively and distrustful you are in your outlook on people, the more confirmation you will find yep. to, mm-hmm. to support that outlook. Absolutely. It's like cynicism is like the worst detective in the world. Everything is evidence to right. support your claim. Right. Like it's like, she's lazy. Mm. She left a 1201 for lunch. Yeah, she didn't respond of, to my email right away. Yep. yep. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's communicating that you're looking for evidence. Yeah. And guess what? Your brain will put the pieces together and reward itself for putting those pieces together. Yep. It's like A plus B equals Q. That's right. Yep. Your your brain doesn't care if it's right or wrong. Your brain just knows you've made a connection and you get a dopamine cookie at the end of it. I like cookies. I like dopamine cookies. <laughs> exactly. And I think that's that's what we do. So yeah, cynicism can be a really bad detective. But I'm gonna ask you guys, there's a lot of Christians out there that feel like they are called to be cynics. They're called to be skeptics. I don't understand. <laughs> Like that question does not compute for me. Yeah, I, I understand, but a lot yeah. of people do. Like that's a bummer. It's it's a lot of a lot of churches what out do you, there. Do, what do you mean by that? Um, because we live in a world that is is very hostile. So you know, yeah. a, a good passage that I hear a lot of people that tend to look at their Christian faith in in a cynical lens and the world around them cynically is this passage in Matthew ten sixteen. Um, it's where Jesus is sending out his disciples into the world. And he says, look, I am sending you out as sheep among wolves. So be as shrewd as snakes and as harmless as doves. And I think a lot of people look at that. A lot of Christians look at that and go like, I'm supposed to be as shrewd as a snake. I'm supposed to be skeptical. I'm supposed to, you know, like look at, you know, people, you know, with the glass half empty. So discerning. See, I would say discerning. You should be discerning. But how does that, is that cynicism? No, it's cynicism. Discernment's not dis- like this. Okay, so discernment may be we've looked at this particular. Uh, um, I've 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 got this opportunity to date this dude, and I've now I'm not jumping right in. I'm going to dip my toes into the into the water, 
And discernment is you watch how they treat the waitress the, and the waiter, the server. I don't even know what's correct today to say about restaurants. Server. You watch how they treat the server. You watch how they, you do these. This is, these are discernment kinds of things you're watching. You have some friends, you introduce them to your friends, and you go, what do you guys think? Um, yada, yada, right? All this is discernment kinds of things, not cynicism. Mm-hmm. So, so, so that to me is. You that's like should, data points of observation. Those are like, data points yes. of observation. Yeah. And, and that's being shrewd. That's knowing there are people in this world who may. There are men in this world. There are guys in this world. I'm going with our example there, who may not be best for you. That's not cynical. That's reality. Like, and that's in fact, true. most of them aren't. <laughs> most of them what? Most of them probably aren't right for you, which is why you have to use discernment. Yeah, but most of them aren't bad either. Right. And so, um, you know, so so I think that's more of a you're exercising discernment. Cynicism is when it's like, well, I know I can't trust this guy or I know I can't, whatever, you've already made up your mind and extrapolated it. That's, that's kind of, I feel like, mm-hmm. the thread that we're getting at here. The, do you see the problem is if, if, we, if we confuse discernment and cynicism, mm-hmm. um, it shuts down the good work of the church. So a good example of that is, like, you know, every homeless shelter is seeing people that are abusing the situation. Yeah. Every single every single food kitchen is has people that are abusing the situation. Uh, every charitable thing is having and and if you're cynical, if you're cynical or or if you go high octane in discernment, guess what? You shut that thing down because guess what? Like there's you start to distrust everyone that comes True. in yeah. there. Yep. Every single homeless person goes in there. It's like mm, I bet you're an addict. You know, it's like. Well, wait a minute. You can't do that. That's what not. That's not what Jesus has called us to do. Mm-hmm. So, I guess what you're saying, Jason, is it is a balance. It's tricky, and it hurts, and it's not easy because it's easy. It is easy to just go like, "Wow, okay." So, if all men are pigs, that's just easy. It's easy to be able to go like, "All men are pigs." There you go. Now I don't have to discern that, anymore. That doesn't. Yeah, it dispenses with the. Yes, that's right. The work of discernment at that oh, point. Or homeless. They got themselves there. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. You know, they, they, they did something that, that got themselves there. And, 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 and you know, one of the things that, that causes this, so often it's our personal experiences that end up um, uh, basically creating the filter that we're going to see the world through. And um, if you don't have exposure to, to, Relevant data points, and I hate to say it so clinical when it comes to like people and relationships, but if you don't have exposure to people that can re, what's the word, I guess, redefine or sort of reclaim and redeem Mm -hmm. the negative experience you had, you'll stay there. This is why exposure is really, really important, exposure to other people. So the way you get past cynicism so often is you so the homeless person who takes advantage of it, you hang around a homeless person who's grateful and doesn't take advantage at all. And that's what balances the, the for lack of a better word, it balances the scale, I guess. Ah, but here's the problem. Cynicism, by nature, puts up defensive walls. Cynicism is meant to protect. Cynicism, I think, deep down, it, at, at its core, is I don't want to be hurt again. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be, you know, I take yeah, advantage of it Yeah, I saw what happened again. last time, yeah. So... Yeah. So the very nature, when we choose to believe the cynical things, 
we we instantly put up those walls and we don't seek other experiences to to challenge our our newfound belief systems we don't we don't look for those yeah because guess what it exposes us to risk that it could happen again even yes. though it's 100% unrealistic that it would happen again we just or could happen again we 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 have muscle memory of like I'm totally. not, you're not going to take advantage of me again absolutely i just don't know i think you're you're you hit i mean you articulated that very well i think but what's the alternative? The alternative is a very small life. I mean, I don't know what else you do. All of life is a risk. Mm-hmm. So I guess you're right. You probably don't have to do that. But just you're, you, imagine like everybody who hurts you, if you have a negative interaction with every single person, like what are you going to do? Like at some point, you're just going to be a shell that lives yeah. in your home and never really leaves and, and has like five people in your life that just all agree with you. Wow. That's just a small life, in my opinion. So, I don't think that's what God called you to be about. So what does cynicism steal from us? So like what is like is, what opportunities or what peace or what, you know, like what does cynicism take from us? The capacity for grace. Yeah. And I think to what you were just sharing, it just just makes everything feel smaller. Or like you just miss out on like the richness or other things that are out there or changing the narrative on what you've been assuming this whole time. I mean, I don't know how many like movies or TV shows. It's like you see that happen through like this one character that comes on the scene that then changes someone's perspective. And is like, I don't know, like to get cheesy. It's like, I didn't know men could be that way until I met you. Like, like you just missed She just out. gave the plot of every Hallmark movie ever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think that then you just live a really like your heart just becomes real like hard yeah. and, I don't know, like Grinch, like, like that's, that's really sad. There's a great movie, uh, that's about this, this grand, grand Torino. And it's a Clint Eastwood movie. And it's about all, it's about this exact thing. And he is incredibly, he's an incredibly racist dude, his character that he plays in the movie. Um, and a, uh, a Hmong, Hmong is an Asian ethnic group. A Hmong family moves in next to him and he's forced exposure he's forced to have exposure to this group mm-hmm. and this family and his walls slowly begin to, to kind of break down. It's a whole movie about this. And my point is, I mean, it's, it's a, it's almost like a, a parable of everything you just said, mm. a man with a really small life, literally him, I think with a TV and his world by the end is so much more open and, and, and expanded because he's had exposure to the people that re framed how he thought about other ethnic groups so that's really what the movie's about but it's a bigger point it's a bigger point about exposure um to the things that you've been most cynical about putting yourself around people who will who will who will reframe that for you mm-hmm. that's risky yeah it makes me think of my grandfather joanna when you were saying your world is small it it, it makes me think of my grandfather my grandfather became a very cynical man a very embittered embittered man and he he definitely believed the worst in in it was it was probably easier to figure out who he believed the best in because it would be a lot quicker mm. than than who he believed the worst in um that cynicism made him unpleasant to be around and here's the dirty little secret guys when you become a cynical person people don't want to be around you yeah because the more cynical you get the more unpleasant you are so he became cynical. He became embittered. 
and people stopped coming to his house. People stopped visiting people because mm-hmm. he just he believed the worst in the people visiting. He believed the worst in in everything. Like, why do you stop by? You know, like kind of thing. Yeah. You know, like what do you want? Yeah, yeah. like yeah. Mm. Oh, I I think that was a greeting in my grandfather's house. What do you want? Mm. Like that was the greeting you got at the door. What do you want? Like, mm. um, he would eventually be completely alone. He died alone. Mm. He died alone and, and sad because. And it, it didn't start there. I don't think we're born cynical. I don't think, and I think it can stop. It can reverse. But it's, it, it, it doesn't have to be that way. Hey, let's go back to what, what if you don't mind, like what no. causes cynicism. I think as we've ta- been talking, probably what struck me is what causes cynicism is experiences that confirm and play on our fears. Mm-hmm. That's probably at the end of the day what causes cynicism. And, and so that can be personal experiences. That can be media exposure experiences and it just confirms my fears. So my fears are already there. And then I have an experience that confirms it, which then I have a choice of what to do with it. And I think that's where the cynicism kicks in is if I apply that to a broad and I begin to just see that as the, yeah, that's that, that is, I think what, what's happening. So Joanna, have you ever found yourself becoming cynical about something? Has there ever been an area of your life that you became cynical? Because I want to be, I want to be honest because I don't think this is something that we've arrived on. I think cynicism is something we battle, you know, all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. I, I don't know that quickly I can think of something specific, yeah. but I think I've seen it show up in just little ways over the course of my life. So again, I don't know that I've gotten to one specific thing that I felt in particularly cynical about. But you can see it when, like, I can see it when I start using language like, oh, this is always like that. Or, um, of course, this thing happened again. And so then I think it's like, yes, that is cynicism. Confirmation bias. Yes. Of course it happened. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And so, yeah, I definitely think I've had moments um, like that. And probably just even uh, sometimes I think it's just in interpersonally or based on experience that's, that you've had. Mm-hmm. That's probably where I've seen it the most. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. For me, it's politics. Like, I've talked about this on the podcast before, but uh, when I'm really unhealthy, it, it, cynicism uh, of, of politics and belief, and it is, is fear. The, so it's the cynicism about, like, that insti- the institution of our governing institution. Well, it, it's basically. much more a party line kind of thing, if yeah. I'm being honest and vulnerable with you guys and, and not becoming of a pastor to... Mm-hmm. to believe the worst in one particular political party over another. And the problem is I feel like I feel like the a victim. I feel like and it is fear because I'm afraid of losing my country or I'm afraid of like, you know, the negative effects of of bad policy. I'm, I, it's fear. It's total it is totally fear. I think just today's topic has helped me f- realize that because at first I just thought I was holding the line like like mm-hmm. a Spartan I'm just holding the line when in actuality it's much more fearful than that. Yeah. And it's funny too, because I think for me, I would think more friends than not would probably describe me as like overly optimistic. And so I wouldn't say that my disposition is probably to go to the cynical or like even the skeptical side necessarily. Um, Because it's funny, like I was literally just in a text thread with some friends yesterday and uh, we just all happen to have our version of like what wasn't a great day, right? 
And so I had said, well, I guess like we can always just try tomorrow, you know? And one of my friends was like, yeah, that sounds like something you would say like that is, uh, yeah, Mm -hmm. that it sounds like your flavor of optimism. So I would also imagine like there are even people listening now that, um, yeah, maybe they can't put their finger on like this broad stroke thing that I've decided I've, I've now been cynical about. Um, but yeah, I think we all have those moments. I mean, I think about, you know, when I take my kids to the doctor and maybe I get an answer that I don't like or wasn't expecting or, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, like even like different coworkers or job environments over the past. Yes, of course there are moments where you're like, Oh, well that thing happened again. Um, but yeah, I don't, I think there's also the balance of like maybe even how you're naturally wired that I'd imagine some people listening to are just like, you know what I like, I fall in the over optimism camp, which is probably, you know, it's a gift. Even it's, a different it's, thing. It's well, it's probably a, a blessing and a curse. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I think that some yeah, of that you can is... Yeah, you could be naive, I guess, right. on that side. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're not shrewd. You might be gentle as doves, but not shrewd as snakes, you know, that yeah. that Matthew 10 passage. But if you're gonna if you're going to err on something, like, being optimistic is not a bad thing to err on, because guess what? You're going to go home more at peace than someone that's like, you know, I got it all figured out. Like, believing the best in situations... It also is trusting on something bigger that we're going to get at, which is is where God plays into this. Well, and I think some of that too is then the cynicism can be like a self-preservation because then optimism, it's like to even what you just said around being naive or whatever, it's like, well, then you're just like, you're just walking into like getting hurt. And it's like, well, how could you not um, have that self-preservation? Like if you're just also overly or lean towards optimism, um, you're probably walking into more situations that you haven't guarded yourself against, whereas the cynicism also helps guard and protect. Well, they can't hurt me if I don't let them or like, do you know what I mean? So I think some of that probably plays into even that interpersonal relationship too. I was thinking about like a spectrum, like when you you guys were talking and I feel like cynicism is like this, if that's at the far, far end of the spectrum, naivety is probably on the other end in a sense, because cynicism is I won't, believe a thing always distrusting naivety may be i'll believe anything don't really you know i mean but in the middle there then there's discernment yeah taken you know what i mean like there's discernment and optimism and grace and grace and all that. like and like and 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 those are good those are really good things and so naivety is not good because i don't think you're being shrewd as serpents like jesus talked about um and cynicism is not good because you're not being gentle as doves, as Jesus talked about. And either one of those is not a really um, wise way of navigating the world. Mm. Let's cynicism talk- will shut you down and close your world up. Yeah. And naivety will open you up to, to risk yeah. and to hurt. Yeah. And potentially undo or unnecessary. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I think one of the causes of of cynicism is when we believe, when we start out the conversation and start out our day believing that we have been hurt or wronged and we will perpetually be wronged or perpetually be hurt. This idea of a victim mentality, and I'm not assigning to any any particular person. I'm just saying, like, when you start out saying that people are out to get me, you're going to find the evidence that people are out sure. to get you. Yep. Um, so if you believe that you won't get ahead, you won't get ahead. If you believe that it, it, that the, the, the things are stacked against you, 
Mm-hmm. Um, that's that, that's a cynical worldview about what what happens to you. Um, I've known some friends that were highly cynical about like life just is always hard for me, or it's of course it's always going to happen, or you know it's just going to be one more thing. And so for them, it's not like they're cynical about a person; they're just just playing a victim. They're just living as a victim, and they're just like I just life is just going to always be miserable for me. And they're cynical about their own life and their own, you know, life situation. Yeah. And I wonder if some of that too then begins to shape even from a, and it could be completely unintentional and just being able to pause and recognize like that gratefulness. So again, even on the spectrum you were talking about, like, I think like gratefulness and hope, like sit in the middle of some of that too. Like I remember last year we, um, Kevin and I counted that for nine months, something different broke in our house or our car like every month. And so I remember the final thing, it was like our microwave again, like pretty trivial, not overly expensive, you know, but we had run the gamut from like one of our cars died to, we had to replace our heating uh, unit anyway. And by the end we could have decided to take more of the posture around um, you know, on my word, like this is always us, of course, like, um, and moved more towards a cynical mindset. And believe me, we had moments like that, but at the end of the day, it was like, I remember like when Kevin was like, well, the microwave just died. And for what, like, it wouldn't stop going when you open the door. So we're like, well, that's like not overly safe. And it was all we could do to just laugh and be like, yeah, yeah. yeah, okay. Like, because we have like a certain truth in our life. We have people around us reminding us that we're going to be okay. Like we have a relationship with our heavenly father who we believe is taking care of us. So like, I think there's just, there's more to that story for us that like everything breaking wasn't just the, that wasn't the thing we were hanging our hats on or like getting so honed in on. Well, um, I, that, that ties in maybe to some of your thoughts, Chad, about the victim mentality is, is, that's you taking control of your life a little bit, mm. despite the circumstances, like despite something breaking down every month. You're take you're saying I don't have control over that microwave. I have 100 percent control over what I do. I'm gonna laugh about this, like that's my response in this moment. Yeah. And instead of I'm at the I am at the cynicism in some ways. It's almost uh what what do you, it's almost like bows down to the. <laughs> to the idea that I'm not in control of anything in my life. And this is not true. Um, that doesn't mean that the circumstances you're facing, whatever, or, but you know, it might not be challenging a lot, but you are 100% in control. Like the life you have, you're in control of. Mm-hmm. And when I say control, I mean, I'm not talking about, I mean, you know, God's ultimately in control. That's not what I'm saying. I mean, your responses. Mm-hmm. We had a choice. Like we you had, had a, a choice, choice over how what? you responded. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and okay. don't get me wrong, those nine months, I mean, we cried. Sure you had other we la- yeah, yeah, like we had all the emotions. But it was just like that, just I remember that just being the icing on the cake that Finn popped the microwave and it was still running. And we're like, well, we thought we were going to get out this month and it ended up being the microwave. But do you realize what I love about your story is whether you whether you were the victim and said, you know, like it's just always something for for the Wishards or, you know, something, there's, there's some humor in this and we're going to get through it together. Either way, your microwave was broken. Totally. You yes. know what I mean? That's yeah. a great point. Yeah, that's good. It's like... It, that, 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 that's kind of like the fact... We're not even talking about the fact at that point. Like, that's not changing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like okay, our microwave is broken. I can hurt myself, 
or I can be positive about it. But either way, like I no no amount of anger mm-hmm. is going to prevent going to make it better, and no amount of optimism is going to make it. Yeah, no amount of optimism is it's not going to make it more real or anything. So it's like, why not choose optimism? I, yeah. I, I, I that made me think of that passage in Philippians where Paul is in prison and he writes, you know, rejoice in the Lord. He, and I think he's saying like he's saying rejoice in the Lord always. He's like, I'll say it again, rejoice. And I almost wonder sometimes if he's saying it again for himself because he's looking around and hearing the drip drops on the dungeon floor of this prison. And yet he finds reason there's something to be thankful for in that season. There's something to be to be thankful for, uh, you know, to to give thanks for in that in that moment. Um and so that guy is writing that not in uh not from Cabo on the beach. You know, he's writing it in the worst situ of the of situations. And my point is circumstance he it's a fundamental posture of I can choose my response. Yeah. I can choose my response. Because of whether you laugh or cry, you're still in jail. And this is what um, Viktor Frankl talked about. He was he, he had survived the Holocaust, ends up going on and writing a bunch of stuff after um, writing that. And one of the things that he talks about is the idea that ultimately he found strength in the sense that there was a power that he possessed in the death camps that could not be taken from him by any guard or by any SS officer. And when it hit him, he felt a deep sense of empowerment. And it was no one could force what choice he made as a response. He was in completely control of his choice. And and that empowered him to the degree of like, you can't take that from me. Wow. You can take my life. You can take me like, there's a lot of you take. But at the end of the day, you cannot take my agency. I am 100% in control. <laughs> so I'm still in control. There's an aspect of like, I'm still in control. And I think God, that's what God wants for us. Because if if nothing else, all of the stats that I talked about, like heart disease and everything, we're not built to be cynical. We're, we're built to understand that there is someone else in control. We're built to to understand that, that we, uh, we're, we're sons and daughters of the king. And... It, with that knowledge, all of the other things start to grow. There's this song where the things of this world grow strangely dim. Mm-hmm. It's this old, I think it was a hymn or something, mm-hmm. you know. But I, I remember that, and it just came to my mind is like, you know, the things of this world grow strangely dim. When we focus on Jesus, so let's let's talk about now how do we combat cynicism? Because all of us, it, it, there, we're going to talk about a million things on this podcast, and sometimes we're going to talk about things that take time take a long, long time to undo. We're going to talk about things, and there, there's things that you're going to see on social media and stuff like diet and nutrition and and overcoming things that it's going to be like, okay, we'll go get a Peloton and clean out your fridge and all these other things. But today, what we're talking about, you can do immediately. That's the beauty of it, is you can literally combat cynicism starting now. Like, you could pause the podcast Please don't. You should probably hear what we're going to say. But but you could park your car and, and start anew right now. And speaking of starting anew, first thing that we, we are going to talk about is how do we renew our minds if they're already very cynical? Yeah, I mean, and so you're, I mean, in a lot of ways, you're kind of playing off uh, and, and quoting there a passage from Romans uh, chapter 12, verse 1. Paul says to, 
don't be conformed to the patterns of this world. So there's a pattern of this world, the way they're thinking. It's cynicism is so easy. It really is. Like cynicism takes no work. You can drift into cynicism. Um, optimism, believing the best, that takes constant, that takes effort. Um, so he's saying don't conform. Don't just drift. If you drift, you're going to drift somewhere like that. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I think, Chad, that's kind of what you're getting at, the renewal. One of the things that I would think is critical in this realm is you've got to ask yourself what you're feeding your thinking. What's feeding your thinking? And this might seem so simple, but if you want to break out of cynical thinking, you've got to ask yourself, are there environments? Is there media? Are there, uh, are, is there things that I'm consuming that, again, confirmation bias? And you should get it out of your life. You really should kind of get it out of your life or at least go on a diet related to it. You know oh, totally. I mean? So it, I find myself, I mean, I get real cynical about things. One of the things I get cynical about as a pastor sometimes is why does this person want to meet? Why does this person want to, what do they want from me? That can be, that can creep in. What do they want from me? Um, so if I just go and I just read a bunch of stories about how so-and-so church member got this pastor fired, or I don't even know. I'm like, I'm making something up. Like if I, that's yeah. all I do, mm-hmm. if that's all I read, you better believe every single person I see is going to start to be like, what's your agenda? Mm. You know what I mean? What's your agenda? Like what? Yeah. And so that's silly. I mean, like I'm, so I'm not going to feed myself with that, those kinds of stories. Um, so what do you put in? So if we're going to renew our minds, if we take out the negative and the cynical, what are the kind of things that we put in? So Joanna, like as, as an optimistic person, mm-hmm. you probably do this by nature. But for those of us that maybe become more cynical over time, mm-hmm. what, do, what, do you, what do you put in? Yeah, I don't know if it's put in or just what do you do as a result. And so I think even when I'm starting to feel the cynicism creep in, um, I think like a lot of times I'll just try to ask questions because I think it's never, it's, or I shouldn't say never, it's typically not what it seems. And so sometimes, yes, it will absolutely be what it seems. And again, that confirmation of like, see, I was right. That thing's terrible. Yeah. Like, of course that's happened. So help me like play this scenario out. So, so what questions would you suggest or would you be asking yourself if one of the things kind of goes through your head, like, what do they want from me? Yeah. What kinds of questions would be helpful? Yeah, I think to reframe that maybe. Yeah, totally. I think even in that example, it's like, well, how many times has that happened to me so far? Okay. Like, how many people? Why do- is that my first right assumption? Right. Yeah. It's like I actually, looking back, I've met with five different people this week for different things, and actually none of them have asked anything from mm-hmm. me. Wow. Um, and so I think like putting actual data what, points. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like what's the rest of the narrative around it? Um. Yeah, I think it's like kind of asking questions around Do that. they, I wonder if one of the questions is like, is there anything they have done to make me, uh, to give legitimacy to this question I'm asking right now? Wow. Yeah. And if I can't say yes, see, if you, you can say yes, that might be wisdom. Right. But if there's, if I can't say yes, I wonder if that's an objective way, you know, in some ways of getting at that. It's like, is there anything they have done mm-hmm. to give me any reason to believe that? this question is reasonable or uh, is, is valid right now. It's like what we said earlier, like uh, um, operating out of doing whatever you can to be assuming the best or like assuming good intent. 
Mm. And I think like that is a muscle that you have to build to think that first, not to think yeah. now, the worst okay. first. Now, what? see, if I took that to an extreme, there are some people who have bad intentions. There, there mm-hmm. definitely are. And so I don't think you're saying, or maybe we should clarify this too, believing the best also doesn't mean you jump in the deep end. Totally. That doesn't mean you let the proximity get closer or like that you don't become more proximate to that thing. It may just mean you don't hold them accountable for what someone else did. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? As far as like the the, the, the generalizing it. Mm -hmm. But I guess I just want to state that, that I may run into someone or you may like, again, I'll just go back to my example. What do they want from me? I should challenge that with, do they, have they given me a reason? Um, And if I say, you know, to, to actually think that question is legit. If I say, no, I've never met them. Mm-hmm. Um, then I probably, okay. Don't be so cynical. Um, however, it's also not, Hey, do you want to come over for dinner? Right. Like that's the, that that's not believing the best either. Like you don't have to go, you should let people tell, I think here's the bottom line. Let people tell you who they are, mm. but just let them tell you who they are. Mm-hmm. Mm. And so for good or for bad, Mm-hmm. And, um, when I find myself most cynical is I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm ascribing onto them who they are based on two seconds of whatever. Yeah. Um, and I think sometimes it's getting perspective from other people again, to draw wisdom from other wise places. And so it also could be, Hey, that person, just to stay with that example, maybe you do find out that you've had uh, a reason to believe that they actually are coming to the table for something specific or wanting something from you. Uh, well, who else has that maybe happened to mm. that you might be aware of? Um, so then again, maybe it's going to wise counsel to say, Hey, this is coming up. Like, I know I've done this, like any yeah. tips or tricks before I get myself in that conversation or that situation. Um, mm-hmm. I even know just in how we, um, get to know like our kids teachers or like the school, it's like, you might see something that piques your interest differently. And so again, instead of going in cynical and like kind of swinging, it's like, Hey, can I just ask a couple of clarifying questions to make sure that like we're tracking before I just start making a bunch of assumptions around, Oh, well all teachers are like that. Or everyone in this school must think that, um, it's like, well, no, Mm -hmm. like one, we might just be having a misunderstanding. Um, and no one else around them seems to be confirming what I'm thinking and feeling. So anyway. Yeah, that's, that's a good check. Yeah. So the next thing is, is talking about looking at Jesus' example. So the first thing we talked about was renewing our mind. Then we, we look at, you know, as Christians, we, we're called to follow Jesus' example. So Jesus wasn't—he used discernment. He had some strong truth words for some people. He, he was definitely not a pushover when well, it, it came says to, at one point, it says he did not trust himself to, to, to them. Mm. There was this moment where everybody wants to, um, kind of like make him King for like, I mean, kind of like, and it says that he knew their hearts and did not trust himself to them. Wow. So he, he knew that like, yes, he had, Very had enough evidence that, yes. that and he discerned yes. doesn't say that he kicked them in the butt or anything. He just, he just knew or that, that he treated, or that he didn't trust his heart to anyone. It's just them, yeah, for very real reasons, yeah. And yeah. and 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 it worked out well. But then there's also 
he shows this on on another side, and this was something I was mod uh, I was meditating on was, um, I I look at the political landscape, so I'm going to speak for that. Um, Jesus was literally looking down the barrel of the people that were murdering him, and he and he uttered this sentence. He said, "Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do." Uh, it's it's Luke twenty three, and and if God if if Jesus can literally look at the people that are killing him and say there's more to the story they don't know. If, if he can believe the best in the people that were, there's, I, I, I can't think of anything good about those people. And yet he was saying, God, God, they don't know. They, they don't know the whole story. There's more to these people than that. And so it shows that Jesus both was, you know, he used discernment, but he also showed Huge amounts of grace for people, knowing that that uh, they needed it. Mm-hmm. And I think there's also some instances, even in um, the Old Testament, where it just also is showing like discipline to not go towards cynicism. So um, I think even with David and what was it Saul, where it's like he had the opportunity to just take him out right then and there, based on all of the things that he could be have been cynical about um, or like. Uh, you know, just do away with even the the bad or the cynicism or the harm, and he chose restraint. And so, like, I think sometimes not leaning into cynicism is also like, uh, like I don't know, like a discipline of like, hey, I'm not going to go that way, even if it's warranted and I could, like, I'm going to choose not to. Um, and so, like, I think that there's a couple of times that I've even seen where, yeah, you, you're actually choosing to not go towards cynicism out of discipline, even though that might seem like the easy or even the warranted like response in that moment. Yes. Yeah, Saul, King Saul was chasing David was, was intent to kill him. King Saul goes into a cave to mm-hmm. use the restroom. Yeah. I mean, not great. Yeah. And David sneak, David was happened to be in that cave. He didn't know it. He sneaks up, he tears it. He grabs his water jug and tears off a piece of this cloth, Saul's cloth. Saul doesn't know any of this because he had to disrobe to go to the bathroom and yada, yada. He leaves. He's far enough away. And David goes, Hey, Saul. (laughs) He's like, is this yours? And anyways, all that to say, David, and that's what David, he he says, I had the opportunity. I didn't take it. Partly because he was saying like, that's not my role. And he knows who he would become. I think if he did that, and it wouldn't be in God's tent for his life. And so it's almost like I could do that. I could say those things. I could do those things. I could talk about those people. I could do that. But I, who I will become is not worth that mm-hmm. as a result. Because when we become cynical, we're guilt, we can very quickly slip into judge, jury, and executioner. Mm-hmm. And that is God's role. That's God's role. It's not yours. And when we try to play that role, it hurts. <laughs> it's not pleasant. It isolates us. It does all those things we talked about because we're not meant to, we're playing a role that was never ours to play. So we've talked about renewing our minds. We talked about looking at examples from, from the scriptures, avoiding negative influences. I think that's another one. So we can just say, like, basically recalibrate what's going in. Joanna was talking about that is like, what are the things that we're doing that put those voices in us? So 
I love listening to podcasts, but some of the podcasts make me feel like a victim and everyone's out to get me by the end of the podcast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't feel better. It's it's good at the moment that, that you get addicted to like a, like an animal with meat and you're like, ah, give me some more th- rage. But there's nothing to do with it. No. You know, you get worked up. I mean, I've listened to those and I've watched the news and, and all that. And then you get worked up and then it ends and you're like, I don't know what to do with all this angst now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just cynicism and anger for the sake of it. And yeah. and I actually go home and I'm grumpy with my kids because uh, like because it's un it's unresolved. Yeah. It's unresolved anger. And that's yeah. half, half the time how cynicism is, is unresolved. It doesn't have an object. It's 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 in the air. Mm-hmm. And the other people experience the consequences of that. And I think sometimes we just intake content that then we're left with that feeling, but that actually wasn't really a burden that was placed in us to do anything about. Mm-hmm. And so then like when there's no resolve, like you've just taken in information that then you feel like you should be able to do something with that you can't. And then I think we just start carrying unnecessary burdens and problems that actually like you're not uniquely wired to find resolve or to or a, yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, I think that there is a lot of things in the world to be sad about that we want to figure out how to make better and I'd rather that come from a place of like the burdens that God has given me to like step into ways that I can uniquely serve and be of service to those around me. Not necessarily intake all of these other things that I just have a dozen problems now that I actually can't do anything about. And that in turn is making me more bitter and cynical. Mm. Last thing is remembering that everyone's on a journey. Joanna, you hit this already. Basically uh, asking questions, I think is like, you know, knowing that there's more to the story, mm-hmm. more, there's more to other people. There's, um, even the, the people that you don't believe the best in, um, there's, there's more to their story and we're all on a journey and maybe they're not where they should be. Maybe they do actually have nefarious intentions. That could be. Mm-hmm. But as long as God is the God of all of us, there's hope. There's hope that even if the Apostle Paul, who we talked about several times today, he was a creep before he found Jesus. He was awful before he found Jesus. And if there's hope for Paul, there's hope for everyone. And writing people off doesn't seem to be part of the Christian narrative. Yeah. And I think just recognizing, um, I don't know, this is weird, but Understand, like, so you just said that everyone has a story and there's always more to the story. And I think just like that grace component comes back in that it's like, I don't know, you might actually remind them of something or someone that they've experienced in the past that you, they are uh, projecting a lot on you as an individual without even knowing you. And so I think sometimes just remembering that like when you're going into conversations or situations that like maybe it's someone that's cynical towards you, not you carrying the cynicism. Um, I don't know. I mean, I've had, I've, I, I can recall a conversation that I've had with someone and, and by the time we got to the end of the conversation, it was like, you know what? Some of that probably wasn't even fair. You happen to remind me of someone that I used to work with and this was my experience with them um, and so I'm sorry that I actually just projected all of that on you. Um, that's good. That, I, that, that totally happens with me. Yeah. And I, mean, I, that's and real. I yeah. yeah. And I think that that goes back to the piece that like, guys, we all carry crap around every day. 
Mm-hmm. And some of us know more of each other's crap than others. Um, and if we, I don't know if we can just, and this is maybe the optimism in me coming out, but if we can just go into conversations, like recognizing that, like, Hey, we're all probably walking a hard road. And how do we just not bring that into conversations with one another from a place of cynicism, but more of a place of trying to find understanding. I'd have to imagine we'd be taking steps towards and here's, figuring it out. Here's the irony. Jesus already gave us the blueprint for how to do this. And it's really simple. Treat others the way you would want to be treated. It's, it's, if you really think about it, it's, we want a, a gobs of grace for when we have a bad day. We, mm-hmm. want, we want excruciating amounts of grace when we mess up. We want just all the grace in the world. But we are super stingy when it comes to giving it to other people. And, and we want other people to, to understand our perspectives. That's the irony of the politics stuff is we're like, you, you take everything out of context, but we do the exact same thing to them. And it, it really comes down to um, grace. It, it, the, do to others, it, it show the same grace that you would want to receive. This is what Jesus gave us as, as a blueprint. So, um, and then just pair that with, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. <laughs> and then I feel like we have two bookends. Yep. There you go. There you go. Um, Jace. So like, how would you, what would your prayer be for the church? Um, because there's some churches out there, there's some Christians out there that, you know, maybe today is the first time that the, whole, the Holy Spirit is really convicting them that cynicism has become part of their life. What's, what's your prayer for the, the church, big C church, that, that uh, is overcoming cynicism? I think what? my prayer would be that God would free us from the shackles of cynicism, that God would give us spirits of discernment without, without pushing into cynicism. I, I think I would I pray for our church that we would be filled with optimism and hope that when people walk into our, you know, or when people interact with our church, they leave inspired, that not fearful. They leave full of hope, not dread, not scared about the future, but that there is an optimistic, hope-filled destiny that God is taking us, that he's finished, he's began the work in us, and he's going to be faithful to complete it. And we can rest in the fact that God is still on the, that Jesus is on the throne. We are good. So, man, we're filled with hope. We are hope-filled people. Oh, this is good. And, you know, I, I want to end with the, the words of Paul. Uh, Romans fifteen thirteen. This is the guy we've talked about a lot. The guy that had the mistakes, the guy that needed the grace, the guy that in the midst of the places where he could have the most cynicism, he chose grace and, and, and hope. Um, He says this, he says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Mm. And that's our prayer for all of you as listeners today is start with one of those. Start with one of those today. Start the battle and the journey of renewing your mind today. Believe the best. Turn off the podcast. You know, call that person and say, you know, I haven't been fair to you. Whatever it might be. Because you're a life changed by Christ. Live that change out.